Hello everybody, Mitch here. We are talking the Bardowski Player of the Month and the Bro Zone Goaltender of the Month. Those are our internal awards for you guys. For the Bardowski Player of the Month, you will receive a Pittsburgh Hockey Digest t-shirt, a $25 gift certificate to Bardowski, a night of in-the-rink coverage with one of our contributors, whether it's myself or someone else, to receive the said swag. And a lot of talk on the podcast from you, our Bardowski Player of the Month. If you are our Brozone Goaltender of the Month, you will receive a one-month's Brozone cleaning package taking care of all that hockey stank inside of your equipment. You know there's no stank like hockey stank. They're going to take care of you. You'll also receive that Pittsburgh Hockey Digest t-shirt. And the in-the-rink coverage from one of our contributors. Also, a little bit of, of airtime here on the Pittsburgh Hockey Digest podcast. All you have to do is be the best that you can be out there in the PIHL. We will decide at the end of the month and we'll announce the winner on the podcast. That will not be next week. It will be the week after. If you're interested, just get out there and play. I'll see you in the rink. Take care, guys. Welcome back, hockey fans. This is Brian Mitchell. I would like to thank you for listening to week 11 of the Pittsburgh Hockey Digest podcast. This week, we're going to go all around the world to bring you all of the Berg hockey coverage that you're looking for. From Robert Morris' men's and women's coverage to Europe, where our locally trained players are currently honing their skills. First and foremost, you can find me on Twitter at PhD underscore Mitch. You can find all of us on Twitter at PGH Hockey Digest. That will be the same for Instagram and SoundCloud, but you probably already found it on SoundCloud if you're listening to us now. You also make sure you subscribe on iTunes and SoundCloud so that we're able to get make sure that you're getting everything that you want out of it. And find us on Facebook at Pittsburgh Hockey Digest. If you need want to, you can indulge in a mother load of knowledge that we've made available over the last three years at berghockey.com. We've got an action-filled show for you today. We've got call-ins from Gary Heeman. He's going to talk about the past weekend's RMU Army Series. And we're going to look ahead at the RIT while the Tigers come and try to invade Colonials Arena at the Robert Morris Island Sports Center this upcoming weekend in that doubleheader with the women. We've got Matt Mamros, who's going to bring us up to speed on this week's always peculiar Hockey's Headwaters segment. It's going to give you the updates on all those players that are out in Europe and maybe closer to home, maybe coming home in some of these cases. He's going to bring you up to speed with all those guys. Uh, we're going to tie into that theme a little bit. Andrew Wisniewski is going to come off the bench after a two-week absence. He's going to come with a, an interview with Cranberry Township native and Erie Otter, Alex Gritz. And I'm going to bring you all the in-the-ring coverage from this past week. Uh, I made a couple trips up to – I made a trip to Erie, a couple trips to the island, and made a little trip down to Princecape Arena. We're going to talk about that a little bit later. And we're talking the PIHL scoreboards, as we always do. We're going to talk about the headlines that occurred in each of the classifications. So we're really interested in seeing how this all plays out this week. And let's get started. 
We're going to head up to I-79. We're going to go for the rematch of the 2018 College Hockey America Championship game where the Robin Morris Colonials and Mercyhurst Lakers faced off at the Mercyhurst Ice Center. I was supposed to be in the ring for this uh, opening game on Friday. Unfortunately, I had an issue at work and was unable to make it there. Um, I reassigned myself to the island for a drop-in with the Robert Morris men. We'll get into that a little bit later. That was a work-related issue and, unfortunately, wasn't able to make it up on Friday. Um, in the opening contest, of course, on that day night, the uh, Lady Kearns went out flying. They opened up a 2-0 lead uh, on Mercyhurst. Uh, of course, Mercyhurst is receiving votes right now, just on the outside of the top 10 nationally. And... Uh, and that seemed to warm up the Lakers and get them ready to go. Um, they were able to get a 2-1 lead going into the intermission, the first cut, but unfortunately that was based off of one goal being disallowed from Mercyhurst. Then it was all Lakers the rest of the way. And it was it ended up being a 4-1 final for the Lakers over the Colonials. Uh, they were able to get the momentum and just continue a bunch of great shots on net and were able to get in there and um, I was able to make the trip on Saturday. I didn't know if I was going to do it or not, but I decided to make that uh, journey up I-79 and check out and see how the ladies were doing. And doing so, I fell on a gold mine. And they went out there and had one of the best games of the season so far for this squad. And it was good to see because you see those... uh couple back and forth that they had early in the season, St. Lawrence and then Clarkson... Uh, of course, last week with with the uh, with RPI, so it was good to see them get into conference and be able to put a uh, contest like this together with them. Uh, basically, uh, after a couple series and they weren't able to muster an opening game win, it's been a rough start for them during the series. Uh, it was gonna it was gonna be hard to keep me from going up that way to check them out because they've been pretty good in the second games of the series, and it did not disappoint. Uh, Lakers started out really early in control of the contest. I thought they were going to be able to, you know, contain the Robert Morris attack, but they were really quickly they succeeded momentum to the Colonials, where Kirsten Welsh opened up a up scoring with a power play goal, a tip in from between the circles on a J.C. Gebbard shot. Uh, great shot was able to go over Mc McDonald. And then shortly later, less than two minutes, it was uh, Natalie Marcuse with a breakaway goal to give them a 2-0 lead early in this first. Uh, they were able to maintain that lead throughout the period until the third, and they got into the second. The Lakers jumped out really fast and really hard and tried to put Pepper, Lauren Bailey, every opportunity they could, but the senior held her, her crease very well and was able to keep Robert Morris with that two-goal lead, and... I'll tell you this much. What happened next was pretty awesome, and I'll explain in a second. As uh, After Lauren Bailey stood her ground, uh, Angelica Diffendahl, Montour's own, was able to make a uh, move towards the net, pull uh, McDonald to the right side of the net, and set up senior Sarah Quaranta for her first goal in a couple years. Um, I actually have a little bit of a sidebar about that. Um, it's nice to see that because I've watched this team for the past four years, and I remember the goal that that Q scored against Lindenwood in 2016. Um, since then, she has battled injuries, had a short move to the back end, 
and she's persevered through a fourth-line stint during the, st- the uh, 2017 stretch where they were able to win the championship, where she barely saw the ice after uh, after falling to the fourth line for a couple years. And it was good to see her be able to break out last year with uh, fellow senior Caitlin Sadoui and uh, Natalie Marcuse. Uh, they were an integral part of last year's championship run. Um and as a personal note, I couldn't be happier for anybody to get a goal. And uh, I've always told um, Matt Popchalk, the sports information director, I was holding on to that interview for whenever it did happen. And it was great to see it happen up in Mers Harris in a big big game. And I think the best part of the story was the interview afterward where she didn't even want to talk about it. She, just, she was happy the team was able to go out there and get the W. And like I said, congratulations to... Uh, to Sarah and the entire Robert Moore squad for going out there and getting the big W at Mercyhurst on Saturday. Um, I'm going to get back to the game now, but uh, J.C. Gephardt would get a get a goal to seal a victory. It was a breakaway goal with 13 minutes left in the second period. Vasco would uh, break Bailey's shutout bid before Amber Rennie was able to get a shot from the slot with under three minutes to play in regulation to beat McDonald. And the Robert Morris Colonials would walk out of Marcy Harris Ice Center with their heads held high and a 5-1 victory. Uh, they will go into conference play 1-1. One one. Uh, they have Lindenwood this weekend, of course. Uh, some other news from that game. The game had a little bit of a Berg hockey flair as uh, former, former Penguins elite defender M.K. Jalamis shot the puck that Vasco deflected, and that gave her her first collegiate point. So hats off to Mary Catherine. Congratulations. Uh, that's the Berg hockey for you. That's what we like to see. That's what we're trying to build here. And it was good to see a Penguins elite member be able to get a get their first collegiate point there. So once again, congratulations. Um, the women head back to the island for a two-game set against the Lions of Lindenwood. Uh, the faceoff scheduled for 3.05 on Friday and 1.05 on Saturday. Both games are part of a twin bill with the men's series against RIT. Uh, special, special, special in-the-rink coverage on sat- on Friday. You get the best from us on sat- on Friday, ladies. Alan Saunders returns to the rink to give you coverage for your Friday game because I can't get out of work in time, but I will be back in the saddle on Saturday to give you your get every Mitch's picks and whatever else we're looking for the coverage that you deserve on Saturday. Um, we're going to shift gears now. The Robert Morris men were a very fine consolation prize for a work wo- woes for me on Friday, as they were a uh, they were in the rink against the Black Knights of Army West Point. I was in the rink with Gary Heeman on both of those evenings. Uh, how you ask? I drove back straight from the Mercyhurst Ice Center with one stop at Sheets to get to the Robert Morris Island Sports Center on Saturday. We st- and we will talk with Gary Heeman about the weekend at the island. We are now bringing in Gary Heeman, our coverage of Robert Morris men's hockey. Gary, how is everything going, my man? Ah, not bad. Thank you very much, Mitch. It's been a been a busy week, but you know these uh these home weekends are going to keep rolling right around, rolling right along. So we we got a lot of them, we got a lot of them earlier this early this year. So uh, we're trying oh, yeah. to cherish it while we have it because whenever it gets to the op- gets to nineteen, it's going to be a little bit far farther and a few in between. So 
All right, so let's talk about that. We had the Army West Point Black Knights come into town. Nikolai Busco was, of course, on the radio. It just felt like a Robert Morris Army weekend. I mean, they played a tight game. What do you think? Oh, yeah, it's a great series. Anytime anytime Army comes to town, it's a great series. Um, you know you're going to get a great battle from a, a team that um, that really – is relentless with their four check. Um, you know, they, they win battles to lose pucks and they compete. It's almost like a playoff atmosphere every time the two teams play. So, and that's exactly what fans got from, for the most part this weekend until until a third period or a late second period, early third period, you know, of game two on Saturday, which kind of, kind of didn't go the colonial's way. And you know what? It ended up being a one point weekend. So you're, you're looking back at it and, you kind of, if you're Derek school, you have to say, well, we, we did manage the point, but we're still not looking ourselves and there's still some things we have to do to, to get a lot better. Um, the good news from all this is, is early in the season yet, there's a long way to go and a lot of things can happen. And, you know, there's a lot of identity to seek out too. Um, you know, the things that need fixing, you know, for right now are, you know, it, it's hard to say where to go first, perhaps, you know, but um, the weekend did point some things out, you know, that, that will need to be corrected. And the weekend also saw some, um, some really good performances individually too. Um, yeah. And on that list right now, I mean, we can, can really talk about you know, the freshman, Justin Adama, the, mm-hmm. the great goal he scored wow. this weekend. He, he wow. has, yeah. He has come out of nowhere. Well, I mean, yeah, he's out of France, but he has definitely <laughs> been, you know, you get those C graded prospects in the NHL scouting. But I mean, at the same time, he has definitely started to prove every bit of that. And he is, he's just the big body that, Proving other players having a hard time moving around. Absolutely, and, um, he's got he's got the skills to pay the bills too. That's the oh, thing. Um, the, I mean, those are <laughs> for that for a man that size. The uh, those hands are soft. He can def- he oh. definitely knows his way around the rink too. Yes, he does. Um, yeah. What can you can you say about him? He, um, he came in, you know, highly touted. Um, this was a guy that was six foot six and uses every bit of that body to keep the puck. I mean, he's he's gonna be, you can already tell he's gonna be a hard guy to get the puck off of. Um, and he's a big body complaint in front of the goaltender on power plays. He's built for the power play, but he, you know, he plays on all three ends and I like his battle level, his compete level um, early on. You look at this freshman crop. He's one that stands out right now, not just for the, the early season scoring, but the effort. I mean, he really, he, he, he pays attention. He's got good offensive and defensive awareness. He, he showed it all in that one goal, Brian. I mean, I'll look at the, the strip, the, the awareness and the heads up, you know, to, to strip the puck of the blue line right then to stop that play from advancing. And then to just completely boom, bolt past everybody on the way to the goaltender, puts in a wraparound, gets a rebound, and puts that back in. You, um, look, I'm going to talk about that wraparound. I was right behind the net there. I, have, when's the last time you saw a man that big <laughs> be able to go in with that speed, hold his edge, <laughs> and just be able to fl- just fire one over the goaltender? I mean, usually those guys have a little bit tougher time because you have to get down low to make those spins. But he, he definitely seems to have... The, that effort there. He has that special gift right there when it comes to being able to skate as a big man. Yeah, he's, he's going to be a playmaker for sure, so he's going to be one to watch. Um, and other than that, Nick Percusic, I thought, had a, had a really good weekend. Um, he's, he's playing great five-on-five. Five. Of course, he's playing great on special teams, especially the power play. Um, you know, he's, he's got that, um, that nose for the net. He knows where to be. And uh, you look in terms of production from his first year, he had six goals. Um, he's already got a few now. Um, it, this guy could be the limit for Nick um, in, this, in this career with the Colonials. Um, you know, Alex Tonge has hit the score sheet a few times early on. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, look, 
fairly well this weekend. You know, there are some things that, that we I liked about Friday, the resiliency that the uh, the Colonials had to their game. They had some some stick to itiveness and um, you know, they they really didn't give Army much five on five. That was a really good defensive game for the Colonials, I felt. And you know, goals can be hard to come by against Army because they're so relentless with the defense. They've only got they've had a great goaltending tradition. Um, it's been passed on for a few years now. I mean, with Parker Hagen, Hagen um, stepping away last year after graduating, um, you know, we wanted about the net this year, but Kozlowski was solid. Um, you know, so that's gonna be another. Yeah, it's gonna be another tough Army team to contend with this year. On Saturday, I think we uh, we got out to the early lead. The Colonials got out to the early lead. And what we saw Saturday was yeah, a game that Robert Morris really should have nailed down points in and failed to. I mean, they had a they had been playing a, a very solid first 35 minutes, and then with you know about five minutes you know left in the second period, it just all went straight to you know where. Um, you know, it, it got away from them. And the ha- the habits they've been building Friday and early Saturday, it, they seem to melt away, and Army found a way to. Yeah, to create chances out of nowhere. Um, they cash in on the power play and, you know, they took that game over and that's going to be something that the colonials are really going to have to, to the lesson they're going to extract from this weekend is that you can never take the foot off in, in, in any hockey game, but especially a 34 game and hate their college season. Um, in NCAA hockey, there are literally no shifts off. Um, you know, every game is valuable. Every game leads to home ice in the playoffs or a buy in the playoffs, or if you're fortunate enough, points in the RPI pair-wise um, that, that all culminate and eventually lead to an NCAA title berth. I mean, every game is important. Every shift is important. And it's a young colonial team right now, and they're going to have to learn that lesson. And that is that they there are no shifts that you can take off. Everybody in that locker room has got to know their job, execute their job, and, you know, be winning the battles, the little battles that make up a hockey game throughout all 60 minutes. Yeah, you made a couple lineup changes too. A couple guys that I noticed were um, Aiden Spellacy. I believe I can't yes. if that's spell, if I'm pronouncing that correctly or not. He uh, made it into both games this weekend. I thought he looked pretty, uh, he stood out pretty well. Uh, was really smart around the plank. So that's another guy that I'm looking at now, maybe coming in and, and uh, helping out every once in a while. I like I said, yes. I, we none none of us can read into Derek Schooley's mind ever. So, um, but you know that's one of those guys that stood out. Um, uh, Nolan Schaefer on defense looked was another one that stood out to me. And yeah, yeah, one, absolutely. If you ever notice what's standing out to me, just pay attention to my pictures because <laughs> I, I follow yeah, what's playing. You know, sometimes some things stand out pretty well, and you know when you see more people in them, that's what I'm seeing. But. Uh, Definitely seeing a couple of these uh, these freshmen being able to step in and get big roles in big time, and that that was the other thing that I noticed, especially on uh, on Friday night, was that they didn't they didn't sit those guys at the end of the game when it was two two, whenever they right. were fighting for it. Those guys were out there and they were they were continuing to roll them. So you, you could tell there's a little more confidence starting to be built into the the program, especially you know now that they're you know. And I believe it was like they're no longer rookies. You know, they're no longer rookies. They have a couple games under there. They played a top twenty team. They're going to be. They're they're now collegiate hockey players. So um, we're just going to continue to move along and just watch this evolution. Absolutely. You know, I think Coach Gilly has always been in the frame of mindset that um, it, it not quite now, but it, it, normally around Christmas or right around the Christmas break, he says that's it. There's no more freshmen. 
you know, and I yeah. think that's that's the case for every class is that you know, right around Christmas time, there's no more freshmen. Um, we're a hockey team. We're a complete hockey team. And it's what we have going forward right now. It's still a little, a little bit of jelly going on right now. Um, we're, we're set up with a little bit of a jello in this, the, the respect that lineup changes are still going to be happening um, due to performance and a little bit of injury. Gerdukas did leave, um, of course, this weekend with an injury. Um, he might not be back for a little while here. It's not believed to be a season ending injury or anything like that, but you know, there's going to be a, a couple of weeks here where they're going to have to persevere. Um, you know, I I like the effort from some people, but as a team, they're going to have to really bear down. And you know, it's weird. I, and I brought this up to you this um this weekend. Before you can fix systematic things, the first thing you have to do is fix battle level and consistent energy, and making sure you're playing the right way. And then you can start working on your fine points. And when you're dealing with a young team, that's that's the thing. The foundation has got to be play colonial hockey, play every shift. And if you're down a couple goals, you know, you, you work your tail off to get back into it. It doesn't always work into a, a situation where you get points in a, in a win or a tie. But, you know, in the third period, typically speaking, and that you know, the way the Colonials have played hockey throughout 15 years now, there was always a pushback whenever they, they were down. And they were down, you know, two goals early on in the period, in the third period on Saturday night. And we were all looking for that pushback. We're like, okay. Show me the pushback where we're getting chances. We're buzzing on the net like, you know, bees around the hive. And it didn't quite happen. And that was the first kind of little alarm that went off and said, okay, I, I think I know what they're going to need to stress and work on this week. I think everybody in the arena knew too. Is that the, the colonial hockey is, you know, dominating the rest of that period. And for better or for worse, maybe you come back and get the win. Maybe you don't. Yeah, and that's, that's but, one thing that I want to touch yeah. on is on a tangent, if I may. Uh, mm-hmm. that, that's one thing that's going to separate, and I'm, I'm going to go from Colonials hockey to any level, especially whenever you're in your your developmental ages. of your, You have to get that sensibility of when you're down, you got to learn how to compete whenever you're, you know, you're beat. You're, you're down two, three goals, but you still have to get out there, and you have to get that compete out there. You can't just give up on yep. the play, and that's what these guys are going through. I mean, you're, you're seeing this at the collegiate level. I mean... I, you know, me, I'm through watching Midget Major and high school and all this, and I'm seeing a lot of that as we go, and sometimes that compete level's not there, and you're seeing these guys, you know, they're in the collegiate ranks, and they're they're working their butts off to get back into those games, and that, that's one thing you can learn as a as a player. I'm sorry, I, that's one the tangent that I wanted to go off on while yep. you were touching on that. That was just, you know, maybe one of those teaching moments. I don't know. I'm never... Oh. So, uh, it's all good. <laughs> <laughs> all right, anyway... Um, yeah, we're definitely, you're seeing that, that colonial hockey where adversity is going to happen, but it's, it's how you overcome it. And th- they're definitely learning that in, in early on in the season. Of course, last year, that team went through it all like very much early in the season. So, um, uh, right. that's maybe exactly. where, that's where you see players like Perkusic and, you know, a guy like Jake Coleman, who's got, you know, I thought he's looked better, really good this season, better than last year, stepping in this year and, um, Michael Coin, Coin, another guy yeah. like that. So absolutely, yeah. absolutely. I, can, I can speak to Coleman really, too, really quick too. I mean, he's been a presence there in his time as a Colonial. He's not afraid of physical contact, and he does come up with odd scoring chances from time to time too. He's a valuable guy to have in there, depth guy that really works his tail off. You know, um, they can take. I think the younger players can take a look at his game and take some you know, examples on how to work through some of the um, more experienced players. The good news is right now it's early. And it, it's something that they can all learn together, come together as a team, focus on, and get out of. 
their story is not written yet. It's not written after four games. It won't be written after Christmas. They're still writing their story. And as they still progress through the season, there's a perfect chance and perfect opportunity right now to start getting better every single game. And I think that's going to be the main, I think it's been a, a focus point of practice this week is that it's got to start now. It's not a case of feeling out who's going to go with where and whatnot and who's going to work on this line, that line, and that line, power play one, power play two, whatever. It's we've got to get better now going forward now. And that is, I if you're a captain of that hockey team, you've got to look everybody in that locker room in the eye and say, you're on my team and we battle together. Win or lose, we don't stop. And that needs to happen. And no sooner time than the monkey on the back coming up, heading down to the Island Sports Center this weekend. The RIT Tigers, always the thorn in the side of these Rubber Morris Colonials. Oh, yeah. (sighs) What do you got to say about this new crop of Tigers there, Gary? Um, Actually, it's not not so much of a new crop. It's it's kind of a lot of experience in the right places, a little bit like the Colonials. But here's the kicker. Um, They've really been able to, early on from all appearances, overcome you know the things that have derailed their seasons in each of the last two years and that was a whole slew of injuries um some shake up in the lineup and a goal to a goaltending situation that wasn't you know as solid as they would have liked to have had and have normally enjoyed now you're looking at a situation in the net where they are much more solid through the early part of this season um you're looking at logan dracker right now sporting a two three four you know, goals against, and he was a freshman got a last of, year. I, I, when I saw him up yep. at RIT last year, he was an absolute phenom, a phenom whenever he was up there. So, uh, definitely got, good to see him step up the next year. Absolutely, and they've already got two, they got three wins on the season and two big ones. Look at look at what they just did with um. Yeah, they went up to Massachusetts Lowell and got a win. Jeez. Came back and took a decisive six one win in the big the big barn at um Blue Cross Blue Shield Arena in, in Rochester. Um. They're coming in here with a lot of confidence, a lot of scoring, and a lot of depth. Um, you know, Abbott Gerduckis, who will not get to play against his his brother this week, unfortunately, yeah. lead, leads the way with six points. But um, you, know, you look at some of the players in the roster, they're not names that are uncommon that you've been following. Gabe Valenzuela is a very talented forward. Um, you, know, you look at you know Sean Cameron, who's really been you know, outstanding for them over the years. Um, he's a junior right now, and he's you know hitting his stride more and more each you know game that they're going along this season he's going to have a career year i believe um you know when you look at that roster it's deep it's big it's talented and they've got confidence this is going to be maybe even a bit more of a challenge early on than army was army's still getting some things together and they look great and they work hard but the pieces as far as skill at the top lines here with rit are unquestionably a slight bit better than army i'm not calling them a better hockey team i'm just saying the talent pieces up front for the tigers are just a little bit better perhaps than army that's no disrespect and the army does work hard enough to beat anybody in this conference or the country but all right the, the colonials have their hands full this week this is me a hard series to extract points from and this could also be the opportunity that you know that the brotherhood in the locker room comes together and makes a defining moment happen that could very well be a possibility this week all right, Gary. We would like to thank Gary Heeman once again for helping us out with our men's coverage. You can find Gary on Twitter at Heeman, H-E-E-M-A-N-U-S-C-H-O, and all over our men's coverage at berghockey.com. The men are back in action this weekend uh, during the back half of the aforementioned doubleheader with the Robert Morris women. 
Both opening faceoffs for the men's team against the Rochester Institute of Technology are scheduled for 7.05 p.m. Now we've already touched base on some Berg hockey news as we were talking about Jalamis registering her first collegiate point. But we have a guy for all that kind of cool stats and updates, and his name is Matt Mamros. And we're going to talk to him now. Matt, let us know what's going on in the world of hashtag Berg hockey. And we are back with Matt Mamros, of course, bringing us our Headwaters coverage for this week. Matt, how is everything going? You were up in Erie with me, weren't you? I was up in Erie with you. What a crazy two games we witnessed up there. Well, I witnessed the first one. You witnessed one. it. You, uh, on, yeah, I wasn't able to get to the first one. Had some work issues. But uh, definitely, definitely some good game up there, especially getting that big W on uh, Saturday. So good for the girls up there. Put your day job, you know? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I had a good conversation with somebody about that today, but I'm not about ready to pull that trigger. Anyway, let's get off of that continent right now. But, uh... Let's get on to what we're talking about. The kids, Berg Hockey, our buildup of our guys who have come through Pittsburgh, born in Pittsburgh, trained in Pittsburgh. What do you got for us this week, Matt? I mean, of course, we could talk about John Gibson and Trocek and Saad and all those guys, but we'll, uh, we'll ignore them for now because they're just not doing too, too much to, to appease me. So let's, uh, let's start with... <laughs> oh, well, a little bit of a... You got a little bit of a... Build up there. Okay, let's see what you can hope these guys knock me off my uh off my chair or I'm gonna have to take you off this program. <laughs> oh boy, that's uh that's brutal right there. That's some uh spit and chicklet. Oh, yeah. so what do you let's, got? Let's talk uh NCAA D one hockey. We got Austin Lemieux, the son of uh Mario of course. He's playing his hockey after being redshirted last year at Arizona State University. First collegiate goal this weekend in a five one victory over University of Alabama at Huntsville. Oh, very, man. Uh, very exciting to see him get on the board there. The Penguins' elite pro- uh, product, of course, Austin Lemieux. Yes. And uh, let's, uh, let's change uh, gears here and head down to the East Coast Hockey League. All right. ECHL, Zach Lynch, uh, made his debut in Wheeling. He's got two games played down there. Scored in a 4-1 to loss against Spencer Dorwitz's Cincinnati Cyclones, but he's got three points in two games, and I, honestly, uh, it's not going to be too, too long. He's going to be in wheeling before either Wilkes-Barre or Utica or one of the many other teams that in the AHL that has given him a shot before at once and back. Uh, There's got to be a list exciting. there. Uh, Manchester, of course. Uh, where they at? Where is the uh, the Portland franchise now? I can't remember where they ended up, but... I Aren't they still uh, Manchester? The Manchester is, is that uh, Man- Manchester's in the ECHL? That is correct. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Man- oh, that's right. yeah. They they, they switched they a couple years ago. Double. Yeah, they switched a couple years ago. This is what happens when you get all these teams moving around and everything. <laughs> that, the, uh, that's the hockey, man. That, that's hockey, yeah. man. So yeah, he'll he'll probably end up in the AHL at some point. Though I I, I feel at like some he- point this year, you know, I, I give it probably about a month before he's up there. All right. Um, hold on one second. All right. Seems to have lost my list. Oh, I got it back here. Uh, let's talk uh, Spencer Dorwitz on Cincinnati Cyclone. He is tied for second in the East Coast Hockey League with Whew. four goals in four games for the Cyclones. And they got a nice shot of uh, him being on the ice 
getting uh, scored on by Zach Lynch <laughs> in their fourth victory. Humility. One of my favorite pictures of the week. If you, uh, I'll and, post uh, that Ron picture Calvin. that you got. Oh, I'm sorry? I'll post the picture that you sent me. Oh, absolutely. That, that's uh, directly from Wheeling's Twitter profile. One of my favorite pictures. i got to save it on my phone. It's a beauty. Uh, Robert Powers, if you remember him, the defenseman from Robert Morris last year, signed with Greensville, now at like Indy. Yeah. He actually scored a goal in their first his first throw game there. So congrats to Rob Powers. What a what a beauty. He had a couple. And, uh, 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 he had some offensive ability when he was at the island. So I, I'm not surprised he he's going to succeed. He's got. He, I'm not surprised of any success from Rob Powers in the uh, in the. He had a lot of potential. Uh, definitely showed it at the island. Um, maybe not the greatest of scenarios a lot of the time, but at the same time he 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 had flashes of brilliance at at the island. So it's good to see him in the. In EE succeeding. Absolutely. And uh, Brady Ferguson coming down from the AHL. He's now with the newest team in the ECHL, the Newfoundland Growlers. He's got six games, three goals, and two assists. Ooh. And he is, he, uh, he's, he's lighting it up in the ECHL. I, I don't think it's very long before he goes back up to the Toronto. Yeah, that, that's a situation right there. They're just log jammed, so it's going to be an interesting to see how he, how fast he goes back up. Um, definitely playing as if he deserves to be up. Uh, you know, it's early, and of course we're talking the first couple weeks of the season, but definitely good to see Brady out there uh, lighting it up in the E. Oh, absolutely. One of my favorite players in the ECHL right now. Uh, moving on to the year before graduation class, Daniel Levins, he's got one assist in two games. He's with the Toledo Walleye. They're coming to Wheeling soon, so I'm going to have to get in the rink for that one. I'm going to have to check Very and see. Exciting. I might be interested in heading down for that one. Levo was always a, a great guy and a better player, so good to check Absolutely. that one out. And, and he was a former nailer at one point, so mm-hmm. moved around. Like, like he's on his fifth team in the ECHL, but it's it's nice to see him sticking in the league, sticking it out. Yeah, a lot of those guys will jump to Europe if they keep getting bounced around or hit a, hit a wall. So it's good to see him stay down in, in the league and ma- trying to work his way up to the next level. Well, since you since you want to talk Europe here and uh, travels and stuff, let's travel to Cody Wider's league, the Swiss Elite League, where with ten games in, Thradnow looks. Uh, they only got two wins on the year, but they they did play against the a team a league up from them and actually beat them with Wido on the score sheet. So my, my source tells me over there, but he's he's got 14 points in 10 games with a seven seven split, seven goals, seven assists. Wow, he's seventh in the league in scoring. But uh, you hope the team can turn it around and actually get more than than two wins when we check back in with him next week. Oh yeah, let's uh go up to Canada and talk uh, the women's league up there, the CWHL with uh, checking on Britain EJ. Uh, Brittany Howard actually her first career assist on a goal by Shia Dark Angela, the Canadian Olympian. Toronto's in a three-way tie for first. They uh, they beat up on Worcester Blades, formerly known as the Boston Blades. Pretty, pretty hefty beatings of them this weekend. And EJ traveled with uh, Markham to serve up as the backup goalie. Um, in Montreal this weekend, so it's it's good to keep track of those girls. They're they're making the Colonials proud. All right, uh, you also have uh, a little. You got a welcome back for somebody. He can't is coming back from I guess Europe. 
Yes, uh, David Freeman, the Hockey Humanitarian of the Year winner, or I'm sorry, the <laughs> Jewish Hockey Humanitarian winner of the year. Different different award there. They got a lot of different Hockey Humanitarian awards in the uh, NCAA. But yeah, he, he was a good very guy. Very excited. Very good guy. Back in the league. Huh. Very good guy indeed. One of my favorite players when he was at Robert Morris. Always a pleasure to talk to him. And uh, Tyson Wilson, originally when I had talked to him over the summer, he told me he was going to play uh, for a university in Canada. And now he's he's actually over in Europe. He got three assistants three in nine games for the Glasnow clan. Uh, very nice. exciting news for Tyson. Hey, you good actually... Him. Okay. You good actually... Him fight off the injury bug. Yeah, you actually got a couple names that even we haven't even been able to find. Um, a couple guys that are just popped up in Berg hockey that I'm going to have to add to the list. Do you want to take this away? Absolutely. Demetrios Cumontes from Arizona State University drafted in the fourth round of the 2018 draft by Calgary Flames. He's got six games played for Arizona, and he scored the first goal of the year, assisted by Pittsburgh's own Austin Lemieux in a 3 nothing uh, win over the Nanooks of Alaska. He's mm. also got an assist going nice. in there and going over to Hockey East and Providence College. What a powerhouse Providence is. Um, Jack Dugan with uh, five games played. He's got a goal and four assists, and he scored the first goal of the season in a 7-2 to win over UConn for Providence. So, Bird hockey is expanding uh, its horizons from the desert to uh, Atlantic or hockey east. Very, very exciting stuff to see, and it's going to be interesting to watch these guys over the year because I have a feeling that Arizona State's success rides on both Lemieux and Cumantis. All right. Well, Matt, anything else you got for us? But, um, the other thing I got is... Uh, our buddies in the USHL, both uh, Roman Kramer and uh, Connor McEachern. McEachern scored the game-winning goal in the shootout last Friday against the Dubuque Fighting Saints in a 4-3 win for Youngstown's first win of the season. Phantom struggling here in the basement right now. They're 1-6-0-1, but hopefully they climb back in there. It's kind of a far fall from being in the... Uh, Clark Cup final against Fargo well, last year. He's also struggling on the year with the loss of Hay Bear. But they they started uh, last year the really slow, and they were able to pick it up around midseason and went on that run towards the end. Of course, uh, uh, so it, it's it's calm. It's not. I'm not gonna say it's commonplace to see, but it is it it is possible to get out of the basement in these leagues, especially seeing how we're only you know you're talking about the eighth game of the season, and you know and. Better, what better way to do it? They're going to get those Dubuque Fighting Saints again next week at home. On I mean, sorry, this Friday at home against at the Cavelli Center. Uh, it's a seven oh five puck drop. Absolutely, one of my favorite rinks in all of hockey is the Cavelli Center. Uh, very, very home. Like Once happy. again, hats off to Matt Mamros for doing all that excellent research and giving us everything that we need to know. Uh, you can find him on Twitter at Matt Thirteen Mamros, or you can find him in any Jersey store. He loves jerseys. I don't know. I don't get it, but it's awesome because he has a great, great variety of jerseys, and I'm going to continue to talk about it until I get to see this selection of jerseys out there. But it, it's always great to hear about our locally trained players and what they're up to. Um, 
I'm going to use this as a good time to work on some edge work, and we're going to move to Andrew Wisniewski's interview with Cranberry native and Erie Otter Alex Gritz. Now, of course, you know Andrew Wisniewski from our features on BergHockey.com. Uh, he did one on John Ray this past week. It was an awesome read. Of course, John Ray, the former Robert Morris Colonial turned uh, now referee. He's going to start his his training down in the NAHL. He can try to make his way up. Uh, had some really good insight on you know his motivators and the people who brought him along the way. Uh, Ray always played with an edge, but now he's going to be able to. Uh, you know, keep that edge in check for the generations to come. So it's good to see some, you know, people turning their careers into something else. Uh, you don't always get to play the rest of your life, and that's a great way of, you know, going and getting involved with it. But um, I'm getting off topic here, so I'm going to jump right back into it. Um, here is Andrew Wisniewski with Alex Gritz of the Erie Otters and, former, and of course, of Cranberry. All right, everyone. So I'm uh, happy to be joined today by Alex Gritz. He's currently a f uh, forward on the Erie Otters, and uh, he grew up in Cranberry, PA. So we wanted to sort of talk to him about his hockey background and how he got to playing in the OHL. So, uh, Alex, uh, thanks for joining me today, first off. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. Anytime. So when did you start playing hockey, and what were some of the youth teams you played for growing up? Um, I played... Uh... I grew up playing in Pittsburgh. I played for uh, the Arctic Foxes when I was really young, and then I played for the Pittsburgh Future Penguins and the Penn Elite when when they came around. And when I, when I was 15, I actually moved uh, to to Waterloo, Ontario, and I played uh, my midget year there. Um, I wanted to see if I could get drafted in the OHL, and uh, that ended up working out for me. And I was drafted, fortunate enough to be drafted to the Sioux Greyhounds, and um, yeah, kind of started my my OHL career there. Awesome. So, how did you first, you know, know you wanted to play hockey? Um, you know, it was kind of like, I don't know. I just my, my, my dad was a hockey fan. He never played, but I kind of just remember watching Penguin games when I was a kid, and I, I just fell in love with it the moment I saw. You know, I I used to love just play, playing with my my mini sticks and and and, and hockey balls in, in, in the living room, and uh, just I fell in love with the game uh, at a really young age, and I'm so glad I did. I, I just I enjoy playing so much. Definitely. Um, so you mentioned, you know, you played for some of the Penguins sponsored teams. Um, you know, how do you think that helped you advance that next step to then go to Canada and eventually get drafted to the OHL? Yeah, I think uh, the, the bigger Penguins and the Penn's leader are a great organization. So I, I mean, they did so much for, for me personally and uh, gave me a huge opportunity to, to play there. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a great place to play. The coaches and, and, and my teammates were, were fantastic. And, you know, I, I mean, I played total of six years um, combined for Junior Penguins and Penn Lead, and I can honestly say they've been probably the best six years of my life. I mean, I, I, I enjoyed, enjoyed playing there so much. It was, just, it was a great time. I cherish those moments. Definitely. Um, so I, I don't know if they were based there when you would have played for them, but of course now they play for that beautiful new rink in Cranberry. Do you ever get to play there when you're back home? Actually, so I... Uh, year I left, they started playing there. Okay. And, um, but yeah, yeah, I live just five minutes down the road from there, and I, I'm fortunate enough I get to, to train there on place and on ice during uh, the off season. And it is a beautiful facility. It's a, it's a great resource to have too. And yeah, they're, they're very lucky to have a, a place like that where they can play in practice. Definitely. Um, so for anyone who maybe hasn't seen you play, what would you say is your playing style and are there any like NHL players that you try to sort of model yourself after you like their style of play? 
Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I'm a centerman, so I really pride my game on playing 200 feet and, and being good at both ends of the rink because I feel like in order you know, for myself to have success, I have to be good in, in my defensive zone because that, that's where it all starts. And, you know, when, when I'm doing that, when I'm doing those things, right, you know, winning my battles in the D zone, playing good defense, I, uh, it leads to success offensively. And, you know, I, I feel like the last three years I've played in the OHL, I've, I've learned – I've learned so much structurally about the game, and you know I've been able to, to, to have great coaches to, to teach me those things. And you know I just feel like I, I, I'm a pretty smart player, and I, I use my teammates well, and I, I understand um, the game and, and know what to do out there. But I would say, guy, I, I like to replicate myself after. Like obviously, I try and do everything like Sidney Crosby, but <laughs> not everybody is uh, is Sidney Crosby. You know, he's, <laughs> yeah. He's a special talent, but. Uh, you know, I, I think a guy that I, I really um, try to model my game after is a guy like Kyle Turris. Mm-hmm. He's uh, on, on Nashville. He's a really good good centerman. He, he's good at face-offs. He's really good in his D-zone. He's, he's got a lot of skill, a lot of, a lot of talent. And I don't know, I just I, I feel like he's a, a guy that I, I should try and um, model my game after. Definitely. Um, so I saw that you, you've you gone to some USA Hockey Select camps. I know at least the 15 and 17 uh, camps. Uh, so, you know, how does that process sort of work, and what did you learn from those experiences? Um, you know, they're, 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 they're there for, you know, USA Hockey trying to, you know, to build their, their, their teams that they take overseas and, and whatnot and, you know, see, you know, all the top talents across the country, and there, there are a lot of terrific players. Um, that there's a lot of them that, that go to that camp. And, yeah. Um, you know, just to be a part of that, I think, was really special. You know, to, to, to be with all the top guys your age um, in the whole entire country was an eye-opening experience. And, you know, to play alongside of, of guys that are now NHL draft picks, you know, is kind of cool. But, you know, I definitely learned a lot. You know, it's uh, they, they, they give you a big opportunity, and it's, something you got to take advantage of, you know, unfortunately I didn't get the result I wanted when I was there, but, uh, you know, it was a really good experience. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, obviously you grew up in Cranberry, still live here. So what was the transition like when you first moved to Canada? Yeah, it was, you know, I, I had a really good situation. You know, I, uh, one of my, one of my, um, skills and skating coaches, his name is Steve Emmett, he, um, he's from Cambridge, Ontario. Mm-hmm. He, he used to come down to Pittsburgh every other week. Uh, to do training at Warndale um, uh, Barrel Ice Complex, which is also right by my house. But, um, you know, I've, trained, I've known him since I was nine years old. We've been training together ever since. And, you know, I kind of I suggested to him, you know, like, I really want to play in the OHL, and, you know, I feel like my best chance to do so would uh, be to play in Canada to get drafted. Mm-hmm. And, you know, because there's a lot of teams teams around that area. And, you know, he, he, he knew a few guys, I mean, knew a few people, in the area uh, where he's from, I played for Waterloo, which is right by Cambridge, where he's from. And you know, he's fortunate enough. I was fortunate enough that uh, you know he made made some phone calls for me and got me a tryout in Waterloo. And you know, I was fortunate enough to make the team. And yeah, I mean, it was it was a it was a good transition because you know I had him as a resource, and I, he always came to my games. He was always there for me. And my billets I had there um, were fantastic. I lived with um, one of the players that played on my team. And it was just, they made it so comfortable for me. And, and my mom and dad were, were amazing. They came up. My dad was there every weekend to watch me play, no matter what. He didn't miss many games all year. So, 
I mean, I, I had a, you know, it was definitely hard to move away from home at a young age, but I had a lot of support. Like, I, I don't think I could have done it without the support that I had, and I'm really thankful for that. Yeah, that's great. Um, so now, obviously, you've moved to a team that's a little closer to home with Erie. Um, so how have you enjoyed playing for them? I love, like, Erie is, it's, it's, it's amazing. I, I love it here so much. I mean, it's the organization top to bottom is just, it's, everybody is just so helpful, so nice. You know, it, it, it really is amazing. Uh, you know, I, I really consider, I'm really fortunate to to be able to, to be in a spot in the area here. But, you know, it's it's just, it, it's such a good time. You know, I, I, my, my villains that I live with are amazing people. I've actually known them for a long time. Uh, I used to grow up playing hockey with their son. And now that I'm able to live with them and get to know them even, you know, on a more personal um, level, it's it's. It's amazing. Like they're 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 so good to me. They they do everything for me, and they're like they are my second family. You know, they're, they're they, they treat me so well, and it's great for my my mom and dad. Uh, always coming up every weekend. It's only an hour and a half up the road from Cranberry, so you know it's really nice. They can come see me a lot, and I just I love being in your yard. I love playing here. The fans, the the atmosphere. It's just it's it's a really good place to play. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I know you know another player who grew up in the Pittsburgh area, went on to play, I believe in the OHL, is Vince Trocek. So do you look to someone like him as an inspiration? Absolutely. I mean, he's, in my opinion, he's one of the best players in the NHL right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a super good 200-foot player. Like, he's used in all situations. And he's a guy that I actually uh, have skated with in the offseason before. And, okay. You know, he's just, he's, he, he works so hard, and he's so talented. And, you know, to see, like, it's, it's cool to see guys that have that much talent and that still work that hard because, you know, he, he's, he's already head and shoulders above most hockey players in this world, but he still wants to get better. And I think that's really inspiring, you know, especially seeing a guy like that who's local and plays in the OHL. It's, it's really cool. And to see what he's doing in the NHL right now, like, is, is unbelievable. He's having a lot of success, and you know, I'm happy for a guy like that. Yeah, it's great. Um, so last question for you. Uh, what are you looking to accomplish both individually and as a team this year? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's tough. We're uh, we're a young team, with a lot of talent. You know, we we had a uh, bit of a slow start, but um, you know, we're starting to turn the corner here. You know, starting to figure some things out. But uh, you know, this year, like, I I I think we're a team that can make a deep playoff run. You know, we have so much talent. We're we're a fast team. We top to bottom. I mean, we're a pretty deep lineup. So it's uh. It should be interesting for us, you know. I think that we, we could be a really good team and, and, and compete, you know, down the long in the long run. But um, you know, personally, just I just want to be a good teammate. I want to get better, uh, help my team win games, and you know, just have have another fun here, like I, like I did last year. And so far, it's been uh, it's been good. Um, I have a little shoulder injury right now, so not sure when I'll be back from that. But uh, yeah, it's been everything's been really good, and you know, I'm just. I'm looking forward to what's down the road for us. Great. Well, glad to hear you're doing well. Hope your shoulder gets better soon. And uh, thanks for taking some time to talk with us. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me on any time. And I, uh, I enjoyed this. Yeah, we'll definitely look forward to talking to you again maybe later this season. Awesome. Thank you. All right. Have a good one. You too. Of course, that was Andrew Wisniewski with Alex Gritz. Great interview there. You always love to hear from the kids who come from around here and are off to do great things out and about in the Berg hockey world. Um, We're going to switch gears and head to the PIHL right now. 
Hello everybody, Mitch here, and we are talking Mitch's Challenge. Of course, Mitch's Challenge is trying to find the best student section in the PIHL. I'm looking for all classifications. Anytime that I'm in the rink, I'm going to be paying attention to some, a lot of the action, but also the student sections, because I want to see the, what you guys got out there. I want to see a very rowdy section. I want to see some sections that are having a good time. I want to see you guys do everything short of getting thrown out, anything that could actually stop or harm the game. Bring your signs. Get that face paint on. Have a good time. At the end of the season, whenever I decide who wins Mitch's challenge, they might get something out of it. We're still working on the details for it, but I definitely want to see your best out there. So I don't care who it is, classification, single A, double A, triple A, D2. Bring out your best when I'm in the rink, and we will see you in the rink. Of course, Mitch's challenge in full force right now. Bishop Canavan had a nice little student section going on on Tuesday night. Shout out to them. But uh, we're going to get into things, and it was a, an interesting week. We've got a couple games we want to go over. We're going to try to make them quick as possible. I'm going to try to get this a little bit more condensed for you guys this week. Last week I felt was a little too drawn out and made the show a little bit too long. So I'm going to try to speed things up, and we're just going to go with uh, headlines only. But we're going to start in D2. Of course, that D2... Um, the chase for 66 continues for all of our classifications. We're looking for the Penguins Cup at the end of the season. We're going to start in Division 2 this week. We had five games in our purview. Uh, in that first game, Robert Pizzuto had a hat trick, and Terrence Rice had two goals as Nishanik defeated Central Valley 8-1. Justin Day scored two goals, including the power play game winner with 153 remaining to give Ringgold a 3-2 victory over Carrick. Nishanik put up its second consecutive eight spot as Riley Hilton and Braden Morgan had two apiece, while Santino Moltari and Thomas Walls had three assists in an 8-2 win over Carrick. The Falcons continue to roll, and Ryan Brown gets another hat trick, and Luke Washick gets a goal and two helpers in a 7-1 win over McDowell. I was in the rink for the Division II matchup of the week as Bishop Canavan took on the hop, skip, and jump to the Princecape Arena to face Trinity Hillers. There's some takeaways from that game. Uh, the Hillers were battlers. Uh, they only had 10 skaters and a goalie, but kept it close in a 7-3 game. Cameron Ropchok and Evan Victor scored two apiece for the Crusaders, while Matthew Tanchos registered four assists. Shots in this one were 38-31 in favor of Bishop Canavan. Once again, I would like to thank the parents of both squads, the coaches, and all the fans that were out. Made an absolute great environment for me. Uh, I can't wait to come back again to see both of your squads. You guys definitely embrace the whole Berg hockey atmosphere. Going to move on to the standings. As of Wednesday, October 24, 2018, Connellsville at 3-0-0-1 lead with seven points. Burrow and Ringgold, you're tied for the second at 3-0. Nishanik, you're 3-1, while Carrick is 2-2. Two two. Central Valley and Knock are 1-1, while Canavan sits in eighth at 1-2. McDowell with their one loss in overtime. Sits them above the winless Trinity and Morgantown in those standings. Statistics, Dylan Zalonka and Ryan Brown sit atop those score sheets with 14 points apiece. Of course, Zalonka doing it in one fewer game. Tyler Stewart with 11, Gregory Hench with 10, and Jonas Sopko with 8 points are right on their tail in the top 5. Zachary Hartlip and Adam Sierkowski have been the beneficiary of Canavan's goalie-by-committee approach and have been given up a goal in the, their two appearances this season. 
Connellsville's Connell, sorry, Connellsville, Sebastian Skarsgensky leads the bona fide starters with a three and one record and a nine seven a nine nineteen save percentage, followed by Evan Cook and Carson Burkhart. In single A, we had ten contests this last week. Eddie Williams had two goals and two assists for the Indiana Indians in a five two victory over Kiskey at the S and T Bank Arena. Matty Hattie strikes again as Matthew Heduchovich. I'll still continue to butcher that name, and I'm saying it a lot. He registered four goals and three assists in a four a 10-3 victory of, of Swickley Academy over Freeport. Jack Dugan had two goals, and Chris Keller added two and an assist in the win. Blackhawk won the initial battery of Battle of Brady's run, defeating Beaver 6-2. Tom Ford had two goals and two assists in the win. Nick Bandy registered a hat trick and added an assist while four other players scored three or more points for West Allegheny in a 13-0 victory over Deer Lakes. Nick Sweet and Shane Nolan each had two goals and two assists while Jake Gergio and Brian Rinowick, sorry, Brad Rinowick had a goal and two assists. Josh Ferry got the win, stopping all nine shots he faced. Jared Taunhunter made his debut at Center Ice Arena in dramatic fashion for the Kiski area Bishop McCourt matchup that never happened. Bishop McCourt forfeited the matchup to Kiski area. Hayden Hintemeyer and Joe Oliver scored a pair each for the Thomas Jefferson Jaguars in a 6-2 victory over Chartiers Valley. Montier continues to single a flex as the Spartans defeated Beaver 11-1 at the RMU Island Sports Center. Richard Froelich had a goal and two assists, while Joseph Bickle had two goals. Meadville staying strong, defeating Freeport 11-1. Nick France with five goals and two assists in this one to pace the Bulldogs, but teammate Brendan Leach was right behind him with two goals and four assists. North Hills was the recipient of a late goal by Sam Kowalski, and the Indians dropped Swickley Academy 3-2 at the island. Logan Webb scored two goals, including the game winner in a 4-3 victory over the Greensburg-Salem Golden Lions. Brendan Linderman had two markers and added an assist for the Golden Lions. Standings in single A at the middle of this week. They're tight right now as the North features Meadville and Montour setting the pace at 4-0 each with West Allegheny, Swickley Academy, and North Hills four points behind. With six points in the southeast, Norwin and Westmont Hilltop have a four-point lead on Bishop McCourt, Indiana, and Kiskey, who have two points apiece. Thomas Jefferson and South Fayette sit pretty in the southwest, leading the division with six points, staring down their matchup on Monday night at Hockeyville. Looking at statistics, Nick France has a solid lead in scoring with 14 goals and six assists in his first four games for the Meadville Bulldogs. Teammate Brendan Leach and Matty Hattie of Swickley Academy have 12 points. Frillick of Montour has 11, and Ian Kumar have 10 to round out the top five. Bruce Hardman has a 969 save percentage in his three contests with South Fayette, while Richard Kaufman and Jordan McCurdy have split time for Meadville. They each have a 983 and a 963, respectively. Alexander Shlekov for Westmont Hilltop and Luke Rapepi of Thomas Jefferson round out the top five goaltenders with at least two starts so far. We had six contests in AA this week. Armstrong opened it up by defeating Baldwin 3-2 in a shootout. Ryan Bowser stopped 39 of 40 in the victory for the Riverhawks. Anthony Carone scored late to propel the Upper St. Clair 
to a 4-3 victory over Hempfield. Quinn Giacobbe registered a goal and two assists while Hempfield received two goals from Christian Konzetska. Konitska, I'm sorry. I told you I'm terrible with the names. Jared Hunter got his revenge here. He got a whale of a second game at center ice where Gavin Patrick had a hat trick and added an assist in a 6-3 Penn Trafford victory over Franklin Regional. Seth Pozivyak scored two goals and an assist for the Warriors. The Gage Handwork Steamroller took a break this week to allow Gregory Irons a chance to get the Greater Latrobe Wildcats their third shutout in four tries this season, and that succeeded as Cole Novak got three goals and two assists, Alex Walker and Greg Ferry a goal and three assists each to lead Greater Latrobe over Plum 9 to nothing. Jordan Rosenbaum scored twice and added an assist as Pine Richland defeated Hampton 4-1. to Zarin Logan scored at 137 of the overtime period to give Moon a 2-1 victory over Shaler at the Alpha Ice Complex. Your standings look like this. Pine Richland starting out the season 4-0 to pace the North and West Division with Mars on their heels at 3-0. Shaler on the heels of a win and three overtime losses have five points and Moon is sitting fourth with four points. In the south and east, Greater Latrobe leads the division with 4-0 record, but Upper St. Clair with 7 points, and Hemphill with 6 points are right on the Wildcats' heels. Statistically speaking, Gregory Ferry paces the double-A with 13 points, while Pine Richlands, Will Stutt, and USC's Devin Rorick have 11 points each, with Jared Egger to PR, along with Cole Novak and Alexander Walker having 10 each. Daniel Mitchell holds a 9.50 save percentage to lead to goaltenders out of the first three and a half weeks, while Daniel Stauffer shining 4-0, 9.40 save percentage, and a shutout are matched by Gage Handwork, who was 3-0, with two of those three wins coming in that shutout variety. Darren Rezmizic and Luke Conisay round out the top five. There were only six games in AAA this week. Jerome Oliver Jr. netted two and added two assists in a 4-1 win for the Butler Gordon Golden Tornado over Cathedral Prep. Austin Reed had two goals and an assist as Bethel Park defeated Central Catholic 5-2. Ryan McClendon dished out three helpers in a win for the Blackhawks. A Christopher Hanlon goal with 148 remaining in regulation was all it took for North Allegheny to defeat Bethel Park on Monday. Richard Carpondi stopped 33-34 in the victory. Wyatt George scored two goals and added an assist, and Griffin Erdley scored twice in a 6-3 Mount Lebanon win over Butler. Cody Reap netted a goal and an assist for the Golden Tornado. Tyler Draper had a goal and an assist as Seneca Valley defeated Peters Township. A scary situation occurred at Barrel that night as uh, Raider Clayton Blucher was taken out on a stretcher. Uh, all of us from Pittsburgh Hockey Digest wish him nothing but the best in the recovery on that. Uh, we hope to see him back out on the rink soon. It was time to raid and pillage as seven different Vikings scored for Central Catholic in a 7-1 victory over Cannon McMillan. The standings look like this. North Allegheny remains the only undefeated team in the classification, leading the standings at 4-0. Central Catholic sits a point behind with Seneca Valley on their heels with six points. Bethel Park, Mount Lebanon, Peters Township, and Butler each have four. Vernon Junker and Anthony Perdue lead the points race with eight apiece, and a slew of players are right behind them with five points and four points. Goaltenders matter. Richard Carpondi and Aiden Campbell, they each have a 9.55 save percentage to pace the starters. Connor Strobel, Seth Faulkner, and Nick 
Nicholas Goimond round out the top five. Looking at this week's coverage for the In the Rink from us, I will be in Hockeyville, Ross Draver Ice Garden on Monday. It will be the celebration of the 1997, 1998, and 1999 Penguin Cup Championship teams for the Thomas Jefferson Jaguars as they take on the South Fayette Lions. I will be there taking care of that game for you guys. Um, it's a nice little matchup of undefeated teams in single A. Also on Monday, it looks like that Ed Major will be at Ice Castle. Carrick and Bishop Canavan will be taking uh, playing at 7 o'clock. Upper St. Clair and Penn Trafford will be playing at 9 o'clock. We are waiting to hear what Jared Todd Hunter will be doing this week. Uh, we will find out momentarily. I'll let you know. My second game of the week will take place from the Alpha Ice Complex. It will be Fox Chapel and Blackhawk at 7 o'clock and Shaler and Pine Richland on Tuesday. That will be my doubleheader for this week. There will be no Saturday, Thursday games for me this week. Unfortunately, I will not be able to do that. We have, of course, Matt Geica out on Tuesday also. Your Peters Township Hockey on Pittsburgh Hockey Digest will be online as Peters Township will face the Butler Golden Tornado. Make sure you check us out on Facebook for that contest. That will be that will be video because he can do video at Princescape Arena, but he has a hard time doing it on the road. So please check in on that. We've got some good hockey coming up in the next couple weeks. Um, tomorrow, just so you know, a couple of matchups that I'm looking at just right now that might be interesting. Quaker Valley and Mars are going to be at Barrel. You got Indiana and Norwin at the S&T Bank Arena. Unfortunately, I had that one on my in the ring schedule, and I had to take it off because I had to pick up a game. Ringgold will visit Burl at the Ross. Well, sorry, Burl will visit Ringgold at Ross Draver Ice Garden. I didn't write these schedules. I'm just reading off of it. That's another matchup you want to look at. Uh, and Central Valley heads to Morgantown. South Park will host Wheeling Central Catholic. Blackhawk will host West Allegheny. And that does it for the for tomorrow. The other games of interest for next week, Mount Lebanon and Erie Cathedral Prep. Then Chartiers Valley and South Park at Lebo. At the Island Sports Center will be Montour and Swickley Academy. Should be a good matchup there. Nishanik and Burl at the Hess Ice Arena. Burl has a triple header on the 29th. That will be Quaker Valley and Hampton, West Allegheny and North Hills, and Mars and Latrobe are going to take over Barrel that day. Frozen Pond, you got Deer Lakes and Freeport. Knock and and Chartiers Valley. I'm sorry, Central Valley will be at Frozen Pond on the 29th. Uh, Pittsburgh Ice Arena, Plum and Franklin Regional. Norwin and Westmont Hilltop will be at Center Ice along with Kiskey and Greensburg-Salem. And Hemfield and Baldwin will be at Nevin. One of those three games I wouldn't be surprised if you might see somebody pop in at. On Tuesday... Of course, Cannon McMillan will and North Allegheny will open up that matchup with Peters and Butler following at South Point. McDowell and Motown will be up at Mercyhurst. Bishop McCourt in Indiana at the Cambria County War Memorial. And at the Ice Mine, it'll be Connellsville and Ringgold. 
And we will be back next Wednesday as we close out this week's Players of the Week nominate, sorry, Player of the Month and Goalie of the Month. Make sure you're ready to hear that next week. We will have that announcement. We hope that it's one of you guys out there that listen. Um, we got some exciting news for that. So let's see what we can get for you next week. Once again, this will be it for me today. I want to thank you for listening. Uh, I want to thank Andrew Wisniewski for doing the and Alex Gritz for their great interview. Uh, Matt Mamros for coming on and talking with me about the guys who are here and gone and coming back. And you want to look at uh, Gary Heeman for calling in and talking with me about everything going on with the Robert Morris men. Once again, for everybody here at Pittsburgh Hockey Digest, please have a pleasant evening, and I will see you in the rink. Take care, guys. <laughs>